Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And once again, if you've missed it, it's been gone so long. It's Cyberpunk 2077 and it's Polish developers CD Projekt Red, or more specifically, the parent company to CD Projekt Red, CD Projekt, that has come out today with a statement about everything that has happened with the release of Cyberpunk 2077 that they're very sorry and trying to explain to its user base just a little bit about what happened. I've brought up a tweet now from Cyberpunk 2077 that says, Dear gamers, below you'll find CD Projekt's co-founder's personal explanation of what the days leading up to the launch of Cyberpunk 2077 looked like, sharing the studio's perspective on what happened with the game on old generation consoles. Now already, you hear it described as an explanation and not an apology. You see it trying to be framed as what they saw things as to try to put you in their shoes, get you a little empathy, a little sympathy for what CD Projekt Red went through. There's nothing wrong with that, of course. And I watched this statement and I tweeted about it and I said, it's not a terrible statement. It, it really isn't, but it's also not a great one. So because we talk about corporate messaging in this space, because we've talked a lot about CD Projekt Red's corporate messaging in particular, won't you join me as we dive into this statement, the Cyberpunk 2077, our commitment to quality video, and see exactly what they have to say, as well as some of the reason that I believe they are saying it, which isn't entirely apparent on its face. Remember, this is a company that has already been sued once, is potentially facing additional lawsuits, which may or may not be consolidated across various jurisdictions. And what they say to the public right now is not just for their consumers, but also for their investors, also for those of their investor group that might seek to join a class action against them. And with that as the background, we can understand a little bit more about what they are saying here and why. So we start out with an introduction. Hey, everyone. My name is, and I believe I heard him pronounce it, Marcin Ivinsky. And I know there are a number of you that will come into my comments and explain how I got that wrong, but I, I believe that's how he pronounced it. And he's the co-founder of CD Projekt. This is somebody that you saw talking in the investor teleconference, referenced in some of the lawsuits or calls for class actions. When I started CD Projekt 25 years ago, one of its founding principles was honest and direct communication with gamers. And here's where I say again, my tilt here before all of this happened is pro CD Projekt and CD Projekt Red. I've liked virtually everything that they have released. I have adored their Witcher series, and I've really enjoyed seeing them grow from The Witcher 1 all the way through The Witcher 3, which I really think is a tour de force of gaming design and creation. So it didn't make me happy to see Cyberpunk 2077 have a release like this, and it didn't make me happy to actually play through 50 or 60 hours of the game at this point. I, I don't love it. Maybe I'll get into that in a different video. When CD Projekt Red, the game development part of CD Projekt, was born, it added something important to that principle, the ambition to make the best games in the world. And I highlighted that because, hey, that's an ambition. Go big or go home. I, I like that. Uh, it seems incongruous to the statement that we are actually going to be reading through in this video, but I like that even now they put that right at the front end of their apology slash explanation slash deflection. It became our mission and something that guided us up until now. Based on that legacy of genuine and honest communication, you've trusted us and pre-ordered our game. That's an important admission. 
Look, when we go public with the fact that we sell 8 million pre-orders in the first 24 hours or three days or whatever that time frame was, that is not an indication of the quality of the product. I've had this conversation with people about franchise films and Star Wars and whatever you want to talk about on this score. But very often that pre-order spend, that first day spend, whether it's The Last of Us Part Two or The Last Jedi or Cyberpunk 2077 is a reflection, at least in part, as to how much people loved your immediately prior product. I love The Witcher 3. I was absolutely going to get Cyberpunk 2077. I didn't buy it until the day before it came out, but according to their own press releases and their statements to investors, I count as a pre-order because I bought it the night before it was released. Continuing with their statement, and despite good reviews on PC, the console version of Cyberpunk 2077 did not meet the quality standard we wanted it to meet. Now you can see I've highlighted despite good reviews on PC in yellow because this is the kind of thing that comes out in messaging that I never like to see. I think the pose here should be sincerity. You see reference to genuine and honest communication in a bunch of places. But while this has an apologetic tone, he's talking about how it didn't meet the quality standard. He prefaces that with a statement that it was good on PC. Y'all, yeah, it might not have been bad on PlayStation 4. It might not have been great on Xbox One, but you know where it was awesome? We got those good reviews on PC. Why is that a part of the statement? And make no mistake, this statement was vetted by legal, by PR, by marketing, whoever it might be. And again, I think overall it's an okay statement, but you see these little kind of asides about, hey, just so you know, we were happy with it on PC. You'll see this again in the statement. It's like, that's that's fine, CD Projekt, right? It's great that you're happy with that release. I think you're still missing things that you promised over the course of three E3s, and I hope that all gets fixed up. But we're not here to talk about that. I and the entire leadership team are deeply sorry for this. And this video is me publicly owning up to that, that that there appears to be referencing the poor quality of release of the old generation of Cyberpunk 2077. We can give them some slack here. This is a, a Polish speaker issuing an English statement. It's vetted for English, but it doesn't always match up as we might expect it to. They also say deeply sorry, which is the kind of phraseology we haven't seen in every statement of this type. We didn't see it really from Blizzard when they were having all the difficulties with the Chinese bands that we talked about a couple of years ago. We haven't seen it in other statements from folks that like Bioware and Anthem and things like that. But we also don't see the line that you would like to see in this particular context, which is, I am sorry, because he combines it with the entire leadership team. It comes off as a little corporate, and that's splitting hairs a little bit. They got that deeply sorry, and I think that's the most important part, but I would have liked to have seen them actually say, I am sorry, and that doesn't happen because of the way that the sentence is constructed. Please don't fault any of our teams for what happened. They are all incredibly talented and hardworking. Myself and the board are the final decision makers, and it was our call to release the game. Now, the interesting part about this is we're in the apology section of the statement, and one of the very first things that is done here is a call to action, not on the part of CD Projekt, but on the consumer base. Hey, you might be frustrated and angry. Don't take it out on our people. And you shouldn't, by the way. If you need a message from virtual legality, don't take it out on the, the line worker, art person, or developer, or even some of the management team. This really is a, a board kind of decision. Even if you've got a project lead or mid-level lead, they didn't make all these decisions. They certainly didn't make the ultimate decision to release the game. So this is justified. 
but it's a very weird place to put it. Also, put a pin in that myself and the board are the final decision makers, and it was our call to release the game, because one thing that is utterly ignored in this statement is why. Why did they decide to release the game? How did that happen? And we see it referenced before in their conversations, their communications with their investors. We don't see it referenced here because it very much looks like a self-inflicted wound. Their own mistakes led them to this point, and they don't want to say that in a statement like that. this. But, but more on that later. Although, believe me, we never intended for anything like this to happen. I assure you that we will do our best to regain your trust. So I've highlighted that we never intended for anything like this to happen. Why? Well, if you've been following Virtual Legality, you know we did a video on the CD Projekt lawsuit, which was a lawsuit brought by investors, not consumers. People get a little bit confused about that in the comments to these videos. But these are investors in CD Projekt, actually more specifically American investors in deposit receipts for CD Projekt Red Stock. Uh, and they have sued them for lying. Or as paragraph 46 of the complaint says, during the class period, the company and the individual defendants, management, individually and in concert together, directly or indirectly disseminated or approved the false statements specified above, which they knew or deliberately disregarded were misleading. And what are the nature of those statements? We go to paragraph 26 and we see that they misrepresented, as according to this lawsuit complaint, that Cyberpunk 2077 was virtually unplayable on the current generation Xbox or PlayStation, that this would all result in catastrophe, that Sony would pull it off the store, that the company would lose all this value, and that thus their statements were all lies because they knew this would happen, basically, that they knew the PlayStation and Xbox One versions were bad and that there would be very significant negative ramifications to their release. That's the lawsuit. So when we see phraseology like this, believe me, we never intended for anything like this to happen. This is another kind of arrow in the quiver they're putting in. They're going to put in a lot of these in this statement that say, look, we didn't commit fraud. We didn't know this would occur. We didn't intend for anything like this to happen. And you can believe them or not. I think certain of these statements really strain credibility, that they had no idea the old generation versions of this game were in the state they were in when they decided to release them is a real stretch for me. And they don't really help themselves with this statement. But keep your eye on statements like that. We didn't commit fraud. We aren't nefarious bad actors twirling our mustaches and smoking cigars in some back room. We're just bad at our jobs. Because we're just bad at our jobs doesn't lose you that lawsuit and doesn't encourage additional lawsuits. I know it sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but we just made mistakes is allowed in American law and in general in Western corporate law. You can get it wrong. You can say, ah, we screwed up. We're bad managers. But if you did something deliberately and you lied to the market, that's where you get in trouble. Continuing with their statement, they take an odd zigzag here. And you saw it when we looked at the tweet from Cyberpunk. Now I'd like to tell you how the situation looked from the inside. That was your apology slide. We got the apology or as much as one as we will get. And now it's let's create some sympathy. Let's create some empathy. Let's convince you that this was just really hard on us. And I think I've skipped a couple paragraphs here because he talks a little bit about the tech. 
In the game, everything is not stretched out over flat terrain where we can make things less taxing hardware-wise, but condensed in one big city and in a relatively loading-free environment. In fact, I've talked about Cyberpunk in some of these videos, and it is very impressive at times. On its own, this is a challenge, but we made it even more difficult for ourselves by wanting to make the game look epic on PCs. Don't judge us for our failures. Judge us because we strove too much. Our grasp did not meet our reach, and we were trying to make the game look epic on PCs. And this also gives color to why he references PCs earlier, and he will reference PCs again. Just so we're clear, we failed here because we succeeded on PCs. Had we not reached so far for PCs, you wouldn't have that glorious jewel or gem on the PC, and we needed to get you that, and unfortunately, it cost us console performance. So if you wanted that PC performance, this is kind of the cost of doing business, says CD Projekt, and you can buy that or not buy that at your discretion. And then adjusting it to consoles, especially old gens, that was our core assumption. We were going to make this thing glorious on PCs and then take it down a notch. And things did not look super difficult at first. We knew the hardware gap, yes, but ultimately I think that time has proven that we've underestimated the task. And here's where we refer back to the CD Projekt team talking to their investors, right? And they did this at length. They talked to their investors uh, about all of this talked about it with those investors that were asking them, what happened here? And we have this teleconference that says a couple of things. First, it says, after three delays, we as the management board were too focused on releasing the game. We underestimated the scale and complexity of the issues. We ignored the signals about the need for additional time to refine the game on the base last-gen consoles, and it was the wrong approach. This caused the loss of gamers' trust and the reputation that we've been building through a big part of our lives, and that's why our first steps are solely focused on regaining those two things. But note how this matches up with what is said here. We underestimated the task. We took the wrong approach. We ignored the signals. We are bad at our jobs. That's all that happened here. And you should have sympathy for us. You should empathize because... This wasn't flat terrain. It was a big condensed city. We needed to make the game look epic on PC. To give you a concrete example, continuing with the statement, and the main culprit, we had to constantly improve our in-game streaming system for old-gen consoles. Streaming is responsible for, quote-unquote, feeding the engine with what you see on screen, as well as the game mechanics. And since the city is so packed, and the disk bandwidth of old gens is what it is, it constantly challenged us. So, So note again... The game is just so unbelievably awesome that we couldn't get the streaming working. And the disk bandwidth of old gens is what it is. Now, we've talked in this space in virtual legality about one of the problems that CD Projekt has with the messaging for the last now month or more is that they continue to throw random people under the bus. We'll see that in the very next sentence of this paragraph. But for right now, who are they throwing under the bus? It's Sony and Microsoft who have an old gen system who have bandwidth, that is what it is. He doesn't go so far as to say it's terrible or anything, but it's certainly implied in the context of the sentence and basically says, yeah, their systems weren't up to par. Except that they were developing this game for years and years and years when those were the only systems available. And again, you come back to, well, I guess their management was terrible. And that's their best argument for all of this. They don't highlight that. But the entire umbrella of this statement is, understand that we wanted to deliver something great and we are bad at our jobs. 
Now for that next group that they throw under the bus, every change and improvement needed to be tested. And as it turned out, our testing did not show a big part of the issues you experienced while playing the game. So a couple of things here, right? Remember, they're being accused of lying about the state of play of the PlayStation and Xbox version, specifically the PlayStation, because Sony was the company that went to the drastic step of pulling it off their own store. And one of the things that they try to establish here is, well, we didn't know. Our testing did not show a big part of the issues you experienced. We didn't know. The testing didn't show it. But who are they throwing under the bus right there? They're quality assurance people, especially their internal ones, right? That they hired to do this job and they say their testing didn't flag it. Now, I would be willing to bet my hat that when they went to release this game on December 8th, December 10th, whenever that final date was where they decided to pull the trigger, they had a quality assurance log that was as long as your arm, if not longer, with quality assurance people telling them that they were major mortal faults of very specific kinds. CD Projekt does not care about that group for purposes of this statement. And we get, again, another answer that they gave to their investors that suggested problems as well. They were asked by their investors, hey, would you have been able to get this thing better done if you had more quality assurance people? In which they respond, we have an internal QA department and we're working with external companies as well. One thing that perhaps didn't help us is covid Internal testers are able to test the game working from home because we provide them with our own connected machines and so on. But external testers working for external companies were not able to test the game from homes. They have test centers. And if they are not there, they're not able to work. We talked about this when we went over this statement originally. But to read between the lines here is to say that CD Projekt never figured out a way over the course of an entire year to organize some kind of non-disclosure agreement, some type of way to have more quality assurance people, the kind of quality assurance people that they would ordinarily have testing their games, look at this game because of COVID. And we'll see in just a second, they will rely once again on the COVID deflection as part of this very quote unquote apology commitment to quality statement. As we got closer to the final release, we saw significant improvements each and every day. And we really believed we'd deliver in the final day zero update. We really believed it. We didn't lie to anyone. We got it wrong. Again, the legal framework is taking complete control of the ship here. We really believed it. Please believe us. Now let's talk about the review process. We started sending our PC review keys in the first days of December. On launch day, December 10th, we hit the ground running with a really good start on PC. Again, We delivered that crown jewel that we wanted to deliver, and unfortunately, getting to that place in time required us to scuttle our efforts on the old gen. So in order to experience that greatness, this is just the way it had to be. While not perfect, it's a version of Cyberpunk we're very proud of. And there's a lot to be proud of in that version, especially the city and the art. And if anybody is getting thrown under the bus here, it's all these wonderful artists that made an absolutely magnificent city that has become kind of a a symbol of AAA overreach, bad management, and poor releases. And that's really not fair to the people that put that city together, but also they promised a lot of stuff for years and years and years that doesn't appear to be in the game. It has a relatively hollow story and it doesn't match the shadow of The Witcher 3. Again, just my opinion. At the same time, we were fighting for quality on old gen consoles till the very last moment. And every extra day of us working on the Day Zero update brought visible improvement. Now again, they're trying to explain here 
why the old-gen console review copies didn't go out until the 8th. This is why we started sending console review keys on the 8th of December, which was later than we originally planned. Now, as I said at the top of this video, you can decide whether or not to believe these statements at your own discretion, but certainly one of the things that causes people to question statements like this is the fact that they never released video footage of the old gen systems at all. That they were clearly hiding the ball there for a long period of time and it ultimately resulted in folks having to trust CD Projekt and CD Projekt Red to deliver something that was tenable for their systems, even though they were primarily showing PC versions that definitely weren't going to look like they would look on the PlayStation 4 or the Xbox One. You still had to trust them, and, and that's really what CD Projekt was banking on. You heard it referenced at the top of this statement. We know you trusted us to pre-order from us, and to some extent, we know we hurt you. And now we're going to apologize for one or two sentences and then explain how this happened because it really wasn't our fault entirely, right? And we look at the same transcript. We see, hey, we were updating the game on last-gen consoles until the very minute. We thought we'd make it in time. Unfortunately, this resulted in giving it to reviewers just one day before release, which was definitely too late. And to be honest with you, if you're so quickly fixing this thing up until the very last moment that it actually releases, you probably got a problem in and of itself. But what problem do you primarily have? It's the problem with the fact that you had four release dates in one year. And who put that on you? Nobody but yourself. The fact that they don't reference that they had four release dates in 2020, that these were all self-inflicted wounds that created this pressure. After three delays, we were too focused on releasing the game. Without those three delays, presumably a lot of this doesn't happen. And we have examples of what that looks like today where Warner Brothers Games delayed their Hogwarts Legacy project, which looks to have a lot of resources thrown into it that a lot of people are looking forward to, not to some period in 2021 still, but just to next year. They just said, hey, it's not coming out this year. All right, sure, COVID, whatever other reasons you want to put on it, quality assurance, we're not going to throw anybody under the bus. It's just not coming together as we wanted it to right now. So it's coming out next year sometime. And by the way, if it doesn't coalesce next year, We'll say it's coming out the year after that. We're not looking at, oh, it's April-specific date. Oh, it's September-specific date, November-specific date, December-specific date, where that trust that you need people to have to pre-order your game is dissolving because nobody understands what the heck you're doing with your game. And I understand that you can get into a management morass and that this kind of thing can happen, but at the end of the day, you got to take ownership of that. you got to apologize for real. you got to have those honest communications with your consumers or else... You get somebody like me with a YouTube channel talking about the problems that I have with your statement, even though I like your company and I've generally liked your games. And here's that COVID deflection, I promise. This all happened while working from home with all the challenges resulting from the COVID-related restrictions. A lot of the dynamics we normally take for granted got lost over video calls or email. And we took that hit too. That's understandable. We know that everybody in every industry Small law firms in Michigan included have taken a hit from COVID and COVID-related restrictions. I think most people thought that's how you went from April to September to November to December. And I think people were giving CD Projekt Red the benefit of the doubt. But people still got their games out. And the fact that you had problems with the process doesn't absolve you of the requirement for delivering something remotely resembling what you promised to deliver. So yes, this is designed in this statement to create sympathy and to create empathy. It tends to bounce off me because I'm a callous, cynical lawyer, right? 
but I think it bounces off most people who say, yeah, you know, you weren't unique in having to deal with those restrictions. We still got Ghost of Tsushima. We still got Last of Us Part Two. We still got Final Fantasy VII Remake. We still got whatever else you want to reference in 2020. And if you weren't going to hit that date, it was your responsibility to not deliver bad copies to all the people that were trusting in your judgment. And I think they know that, but they're unwilling to quite go all the way in a statement like this one. Now I'd like to tell you about our plans for the future and present a path for Cyberpunk 2077 on consoles and PC. We have already released three hotfixes improving the game, but that's just the beginning. Our ultimate goal is to fix the bugs and crashes gamers are experiencing across platforms. That's nice, right? Yeah, you're going to try to fix the bugs and crashes we all have on the game that we bought is is a nice goal. I don't think you get full credit for that. Again, it's kind of like uh, apologies to your parents or somebody else that you already owe a duty to. And you say, I'm going to take care of that thing that I already promised to do. Yeah, you don't, you don't get 100% credit for saying you're going to fix bugs and crashes. Please expect bigger and smaller patches on a regular basis. The first update will be dropping within 10 days. They had promised earlier in their statements about refunds and their communications with investors that there would be a large patch in January and a large patch in February. That appears to be what they're referring to here. And it will be followed by another more significant one in the following weeks. What's interesting about that is when the hot fixes happened in December, they said, oh, the significant ones are January and February. Now we're rolling in on January. And they said, oh, the significant one is in February. And you just wonder... Anybody that's followed all of this says, okay, you had four release dates. You keep saying the next patch is the big one. I don't know that I believe you. I don't know if I trust you. And at the end of the day, that's what CD Projekt really lost as part of this whole process. The knee-jerk reaction to trust them that a lot of people had is gone. Now the knee-jerk reaction is the opposite, and that's really, really hard to get back. We will, of course, continue to work on the game in future updates and improvements. Beyond that... Our big plans for supporting Cyberpunk in the long term did not change. Don't be worried about your investment in Cyberpunk. We're still going to sell it to you. Honestly, if you play the game, you will recognize that they have some grand Grand Theft Auto online plans for this thing. So much of the infrastructure of Night City in this game seemingly built around having a multiplayer component and selling you whatever the Cyberpunk equivalent of shark cards is. But we have those big plans. As for the free DLCs, which if you weren't following this game, were promised for early 2021, we're going to try to walk that back very quietly as part of this statement. Our initial plan was to deliver them just after the release, much like we did with The Witcher 3. In fact, we said early 2021. We decided to focus on the most important fixes and updates first, and we'll be releasing the DLCs afterwards. Expect more information in the upcoming months. We're going to look at their timeline, the reason I called it blurry as part of the thumbnail description of this video in just a second. But note the onus that that puts on the consumer, right? You bought it. We promised it to you in early 2021. It's a pretty nebulous date. We can give you some leeway out until maybe even May, maybe even June, if we're being generous as to when this kind of stuff will come. And you say, ah, you know, we're not going to hit that because we decided to fix the broken game we shipped to you. And that's good. You should. You should prioritize fixing the broken game. But much like the Avengers last year, which had a very similar problem, they were promising uh, new characters, I think, every month or at least very close after the release of Avengers. There were a lot of broken things with that game. And they said, well, basically, we're going to focus on fixing it. That's good. Your priorities are right. Would be nice if you delivered the fixed version of the game at the release date so that you can hit that cadence of releases that you wanted to hit 
in general. And I think for all of these companies, that's actually what you want to do. This kind of broken release, spend three months fixing it, then get onto your live services, free DLC plan is not a terribly workable solution. You saw it really affect Avengers negatively. You might well see it affect Cyberpunk 2077 negatively. I don't know. Continuing with their statement, for those of you playing on next-gen consoles in back compatibility, you can still expect the free next-gen update for Xbox Series consoles and PlayStation 5 arriving in 2021. Now, I recall them saying that this would be sometime after the original release of the old generation versions in the fall slash winter of last year. I didn't expect the following. We are aiming at the second half of the year. Now, a couple of things there, right? We will deliver it in the second half of the year as a promise. They don't say that. They say we are aiming at the second half of the year. And if you're following CD Projekt's history over the last 12 months, and if you're following this video series, you know it well by now, they haven't been great about their aims. Haven't really hit those marks when they aim at a release date, which leaves us with this timeline that they put up that doesn't really include dates. <laughs> we had a couple of hot fixes before the end of last year. That's great. We got a patch coming in this next 10 days. They think there's going to be a February patch. Then we have this whole amorphous thing of multiple updates and improvements with some free DLCs in there somewhere and a free next-gen console update somewhere that they think is going to be in the second half of the year. That's what they are aiming at, at least, which can't help but give the entire impression holistically that this game wasn't done, that you've effectively rented long-term a copy of a game that was in beta, if not worse, state, and they're going to try to fix it because they wanted that 8 million pre-orders, they wanted those 13 million sales, they needed that cash flow, and hell or high water, consumer be damned, they were going to get it. Now, they're saying they didn't lie about it to their investors. They don't want to lose these lawsuits. They don't want to encourage more lawsuits. They didn't lie about it. They just got it wrong. They didn't know the PlayStation version was that bad. And even if they did, the QA didn't pick it up. And ultimately, we're just bad managers. So please leave us alone. Similarly, you see in the actual fact that accompanied this statement from the Cyberpunk crew, if you were interested in knowing when that would come back to the PlayStation Store, where it is still not available to buy digitally, they have no idea. When is the game coming back to the PlayStation Store? We are working on fixes and updates and are working with Sony to bring it back as soon as possible. I described it leaving the Sony Store when I did the video on the topic as indefinitely. I took no small amount of flack from a number of commenters and said it's not indefinite. They said they'll bring it back as soon as possible or until further notice. And that's definite, folks. We didn't have a date then. We don't have a date now. Who knows when it's coming back to Sony? If this timeline is to believe, it's not sooner than February. And maybe Sony should keep it off until the free next-gen console update is available. One of the problems Sony had, I believe, with CD Projekt is they threw them under the bus. They said, go ask Sony for refunds. And now they do it again in this statement saying, well, we all know how bad the old generation systems are. Am I right, buddy? I don't know if you're Sony that you love these guys right now. I suspect that you very much don't. You want the money from the sales of the game. And businesses are ultimately going to come out on that side of the equation for the money on the table but they might just make CD Projekt wait a little longer because I can't imagine Sony is thrilled about any of this. Finally, they finish off with, I'd like to end this video by assuring you that we treat this entire situation very seriously. We are not cavalier about this. We didn't defraud anybody, but we are also taking it seriously. We're trying to fix it. We are working hard to make it right. The guiding principles of our company are still core to what we do. We still want to make amazing games and have open communication with you, our players. And for now, our immediate focus is to work hard on making sure you enjoy Cyberpunk 2077, regardless of platform. 
Beyond Cyberpunk, we have many plans for the future, which we will share more about when we are ready. What is that doing in this statement at all? Nobody is here for, hey, we're still going to make games. Thank you for taking the time to watch this video. And indeed, I did take the time and I made the time to make this video talking about it. As you can see, I think this is a good and important step for CD Projekt. I commented on the initial investor call. I said they should probably stop talking. They were not covering themselves in glory. They've reframed some of those answers in this statement to make a little bit more sense, especially to the consumer, but they don't really dive deeply into apologizing for what happened. They immediately pivot as part of this statement to explaining why you should sympathize with their position because it's such a difficult game because we made it so glorious for PC because COVID hit us so hard. And in that framework, it's very difficult for me personally to come out with an empathetic feeling towards this company that is looking for all the world like they're trying to massage a very difficult situation and a situation that was created of their own making. And that's me, but I'm in the business of looking at corporate messaging. I'm in the business of helping my clients message to them, their own customers when there are crisis communications that are needed. And I look at this and say, you're about halfway there. You're about halfway there. And I don't really love a half measure. It tends to create as many problems as it solves. That's been my virtual legality episode for today. If you enjoyed this video, please like, subscribe, share, ring bells, tell folks We are talking about things like Cyberpunk 2077, like the messaging that is coming out of places like CD Projekt and CD Projekt Red. We're also currently in a long-form deep-dive evaluation of what a game publishing agreement looks like. So if you're interested in that, check that out as well. And otherwise, we're talking about the business and law of pop culture, the stories that you're already interested in, music, movies, television, video games. If any of that sounds interesting to you, Share us around, tell your friends, and please do join us in our community. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.